You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Sometimes God is silent in our lives. And there may be reasons for His silence in our lives. And one of the biggest reasons that God is silent in our lives is the S word, sin. When we have unconfessed sin in our hearts, God might be silent. Our reading may be dry. Our study time may not be fruitful. We may feel that God is far from us because of our sin. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that God does still speak to His people, and His sheep still hear His voice if they listen. The Bible says that God speaks in a still and small voice, but the world is full of loud distractions. You have to do your best to silence the world to hear that still, small voice of God. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3 as he begins his message, God Rewards Faithfulness. First Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And um, I think what I want to do is I want to read through the chapter and then we'll go back and pick it up. Let's um, turn to 1 Samuel 3. I'm going to read the 20, actually the 22 verses, verse 1 of chapter 4. We're going to read as kind of like a, a kickstart. So... We're now coming into chapter 3, and you remember God had pronounced a great judgment on the house of Eli. All the end of chapter 2, we had that great contrast between Samuel and Eli's sons and Eli. Samuel, the, the wise and growing in the Lord, faithful servant. Eli, the corrupt and wicked father who didn't teach his sons the admonition of the Lord, and his sons the corrupt and wicked priests. The Lord came and pronounced judgment on them. We had this contrast between the faithful, Samuel, and the wicked, Eli, and his sons. But one thing that shines clearly in this picture is that Eli was responsible for Samuel's upbringing. Eli was responsible for Samuel's upbringing. He was responsible for this child that had been given to him by Hannah, his mother. And he was responsible for this child and who's making good on that promise to bring Samuel up in the admonition of the Lord and to teach him and to train him in all of the duties as a priest. He was under Eli's tutelage. He was under Eli's care. And we had talked about this when we studied Samuel's birth. How what great faith it took for Hannah and Elkanah to give their son to Eli knowing that he was a corrupt priest, knowing that he wasn't following the Lord. And yet they gave their son because they weren't following Eli. They were following the Lord. They knew that the Lord would protect the boy and he would grow and be strong in the Lord. So the chapter opens with Samuel once again ministering unto the Lord. Let's look at verse 1a. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. 
Notice it says before Eli. And I think this is interesting because it goes back to what I had said earlier. Eli is bringing the boy up. It's almost as if he's trying to make atonement for the, for the fact that he didn't do this with his own kids. He's almost like he's trying to make up and he's going overboard. He's going to raise Samuel the best he possibly can because he knows he blew it with his own kids. He knows that he didn't raise him, wasn't the greatest father that he could have been. So it's almost like he's, he's taking great pains to raise Samuel. Maybe he was trying to get it right. I don't know. It doesn't really say. But in verse 1b, keep that in mind, though. The boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. We'll come back to that. In 1b, it says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Once again, God was not speaking to the house of Israel. He was not speaking to his chosen people. The Israelites were used to being spoken to by God. They were used to having somebody go before God and God would speak to them and then they would, he would come back and explain all the things God would want them to do. Now it's interesting. Although they were used to having someone speak to them on behalf of God, they never did what they were told to do anyhow. Maybe that might sound familiar. I don't know. Some of us, you know, we know what we're supposed to do and we kind of fall way short. I know I do. You guys are much better than I. I fall short all the time. But God always had someone to talk to, someone to be in front of him for the nation. Moses, Joshua, some of the judges, they all were people who God talked to. But there was great corruption in the land. Remember, this was the time of the judges. There was great corruption, especially in the priesthood. And because the people were not following after God's commandments, they weren't even looking to do what he had said. So maybe God was thinking, they're not going to follow me. Why should I speak to them? Why should I tell them what to do if they're not going to do as I've commanded them to do? Those of you who have children know exactly what I'm talking about. There comes a time when you want to pull your hair out when you're trying to instruct your children and they don't do what you've instructed them to do. It's almost like, well, why am I telling you these things? You're not going to do it anyhow. Maybe God had that view of Israel. But the only word of the Lord we read is in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel when the man of God comes and pronounces judgment. So the only thing that Israel is hearing right now is judgment. It's the only thing they're hearing is judgment. Remember the man of God came and he pronounced judgment against the house of Eli. God didn't speak often, but when he did, it was a word of judgment. Sometimes... We strain to hear the word of God. Sometimes God is silent in our lives. And there may be reasons for his silence in our lives. And one of the biggest reasons that God is silent in our lives is the S word. Sin. When we have unconfessed sin in our hearts, God might be silent. Our reading may be dry. Our study time may not be fruitful. We may feel that God is far from us because of our sin. But praise God, John says if we confess our sin, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Yes, praise God is right. When we confess our sin to him, hey, Lord, I confess. And some people go, well, why should I confess it? He already knows. No, 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 you don't understand. It's the act of confessing. It's the act of humbling yourself before God and saying, Lord, I messed up. I mean, David did it when he messed up with Bathsheba against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned and have done these things. He fessed up. God's not going to answer prayers if there's sin. 
If there's sin in your life, you may be struggling to hear from God. This is one of the main reasons that God doesn't speak. It's because of sin. He didn't speak to Israel because of the priests who were corrupt and the children weren't obeying his commandments. He refused to speak to them. We have to confess our sins. God will speak and he will guide you when his people seek him. When God's people seek him, he will answer them. And when his ministers serve him diligently, he will be found. We all know the verse. You can probably quote it by heart. We all know the verse. First Chronicles 7.14. Yeah, if my people who are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves and what? And seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. And pray. And then there's a great big word. Then. Right. Then I will hear from heaven. See see the progression there? See, see the progression? If my people who are called by my name. Well, Christians is the name God has given us. We're Christians. We're called by God's name. We're little Christ. If my people who are called by thy name will, will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and pray. Then. I will hear from heaven and heal their land. It's right there. It's right there. Maybe you're struggling today, wanting to hear from God. I want to know what God's will is. I want to know what his will is for my life. Well, maybe there's sin in the camp. And we need to rid ourselves of sin. But this must have been an eerie silence for the nation Israel. It must have been a time of eerie silence. For hundreds of years, God had spoken and spoken and spoken to the nation. They've received thousands upon thousands of messages from him. But now he was silent. And to think that the silence was part of judgment. Ow. Ow. But, as I like to say, God had a plan. God had a plan. And all that was about to change. He was about to speak to a young man... They think about 12 years old. Josephus records that uh, Samuel was 12 years old when this happened. He's about to change everything with a phone call. Hello, Lord. (laughs) It happens. It happens. He's about to speak to a young boy who had been ministering to him in the tabernacle. Why did he choose Samuel to speak to? I've come up with four reasons as we go through this study. I've come up with four reasons why I think he chose Samuel to talk to. Let's look at verses 2 through 9 in our study. And it came to pass at that time that while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down again. Then the Lord get called again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. 
So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. It's interesting. What's interesting to me is we spent an entire chapter of Eli being chastised by the Lord and being told that he was going to have a rough time. His sons were going to die before his face. That, that, that no one was from his family was ever going to be a priest again. And, and all these things that were happening to him. But yet, here we get a picture of Eli being effective and helping, helping Samuel. We get this beautiful picture here. But it does say his eyes had begun to grow dim. He could not see. And the problem with this is, this is spiritually true of Eli. It was spiritually true of Eli, as well as physical. His old age had made him very, very ineffective in leading the nation. He could no longer lead the nation. Before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, it's a figure of speech. It simply means before dawn. But it also suggests of of the dark spiritual times that were befalling Israel. It was a dark time and was probably going to get a lot darker. And Exodus 27, verse 21, refers to the responsibility of the priest to tend to the lamps until sunrise, just before dawn. So the Lord calls out to Samuel. Now, it doesn't say it was a dream. It does not say it was a dream. And it does say that Samuel heard it. So it was an audible voice to Samuel. It was an audible voice. Samuel heard it. He said, here I am. So what's the first thing we see of Samuel? What was the first one of the reasons I believe that God spoke to him? Well, first of all, he had an attentive ear. He had an attentive ear. He was aware of God's voice. Now, maybe he didn't know who it was at first, but he was aware of his voice. What a beautiful way to respond. Here I am. Here I am. What a great way to respond. And you know what? Let me show you the company that he comes into when he says, here I am. Abraham said it in Genesis 22.1. Jacob said it in Genesis 20, 46, 2. Moses said it in Exodus 3, 4. Isaiah said it in Isaiah 6, 8. And Ananias said it in Acts 9, 10. I love Ananias. He's probably one of my most favorite people who's sitting there minding his own business. And the Lord appears to him and says, Ananias. He says, here I am, Lord. He says, I want you to go down and go to a street called Straight. There's a man named Saul there. He's praying. And Ananias says, excuse me? You mean Saul of Tarsus, the guy who kills Christians? Yeah, that's the one. Go pray for him, because I've called him. And Ananias went and did, you know, the rest. Well, I love that. An attentive ear. An attentive ear. When God calls, you answer. Scholars believe that Samuel was 12 years old. He had an attentive ear. The word of the Lord should be precious to us. In the days of Samuel, the word of the Lord was a rarity. It wasn't around. We are so fortunate to have his word with us. We are so fortunate to have this book that we can read and all the different translations. We are so precious. This is so important to us. This is God's very word. They didn't have this. They had some scrolls, yes, but they were kept tucked away in the tabernacle. This is God's word and and everyone can have it. And we can read it and we can know what God's saying to us today. What a blessing this is. What a blessing this is. But in these days, God hasn't spoken. It was a rarity. And it's interesting in Revelation 3.20. In Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in and sup with him. 
And it's a neat because in this passage, the question is not whether Jesus is speaking. The question is, is are you listening? It's not whether Jesus is speaking because Jesus is clearly speaking. The question here is, are you listening? Do you have an attentive ear to the voice of God? Do you have an attentive ear to the things of God? Throughout Scripture, we have evidence that God speaks. And the biggest question has to remain, are you tuning in to him? Or are you tuning him out? How does God speak to us? Speaks to us in a still, small voice. In a still, small voice. God calls to us in that still time. In the stillness, you are there. In the secret, in the quiet place, you are there. In the secret place of the Most High. He calls out to us. He speaks to us. But if you're driving down... Listen to the dun, 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 dun. If you're listening to rock and roll music and it's blared at the top of the thing, you're never going to hear from the Lord. Not that rock and roll music is bad. I'm not putting a connotation on that. But he speaks to you in a still voice. The world speaks to you in loud volumes. The world is screaming at you. We've had this discussion before. Turn your TV on and put it on a low volume. When a commercial come on, everything gets louder. The world's screaming at you. The world is screaming at you. God doesn't scream at you. God speaks to you in a still, small voice. He speaks to you with his word. He speaks to your heart and impresses upon your heart his things. You have an attentive ear to the things of God. Samuel had an attentive ear. We see Samuel didn't know who it was. But he had an attentive ear and he was woke out of the night. Does God ever wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning? 1 o'clock in the morning? 3 o'clock in the morning? My question is, when he does that, do you get out of bed? Or do you ignore him? I ignore him sometimes. Roll over. Now you're not speaking to me. And if we would just get out of bed, let that attentive ear say, yeah, God's calling me. I tell you what, though, some of the times that I've gotten up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, wow, oh my goodness, you open up the Word of God, it's like you're watching a motion picture and God is producing it and you're reading it and it's come alive. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Samuel had an attentive ear. He had attentive ear to the things of God. And he also had an obedient will. Let's look at verses 10 through 14. Now the Lord came and stood and called at all the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and did not restrain them. And he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel was obedient to the call of the Lord. When the Lord called, he immediately got up and wanted to do something. He ran into Eli. And Eli was sleeping there. What an obedient kid. He was wrong in thinking that Eli was speaking to him, but he's right in what he did. If Eli was calling, he would run and want to help Eli. He kind of loved this kid. Eli was blind and couldn't get around. Samuel, 12 years old. Once again, the Lord continues to call Samuel with the same results. 
Jesus said in John 10, 27, that the, his sheep hear his voice. Jesus knows them and they follow him. Are you tuned into what the Lord is saying? Do you have an obedient will when you hear what the Lord wants to say to us? Be still. Interesting in verse 7 that it says Samuel did not know the Lord. He had never heard the voice of the Lord, but also should be noted that Samuel ministered to the Lord because he knew that God needed to be worshipped. I want to spend a minute here. Samuel ministered to the Lord. He ministered to the Lord before he ministered for the Lord. You know what I'm saying? We've had this discussion before. God called you because he loved you and he wants to fellowship with you. So if you're doing nothing but ministering for the Lord and not taking time to minister to the Lord, there's a problem. But I'm doing all these great things. Yeah. And what did Jesus say to those guys? I cast out demons in your name. I did this in your name. And he said, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. Are you taking time in your life to minister to the Lord? A lot of us get wrapped up in ministry. Ministry is hard. It's difficult. It takes a lot of time. And it's time consuming. But if we who are in ministry, and I don't care what the ministry is, it could be at the front door, it could be in the kitchen, it could be in the children's ministry, it could be sweeping the floors, it could be doing it. I don't care what kind of ministry you may be in. If you're not taking time to minister to the Lord, you're going to run out of steam. And you're going to burn up. Because that's where we get our strength and that's where we get our power when we minister to the Lord. In the great book of Acts, I love the book of Acts. What a great read. It's fun. Actually, Acts 12, 25 through 13, 3. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets in, and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then they, having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and sent them the way. Look at the progression. As they ministered to the Lord. They were ministering to the Lord and the Lord called them out. You want to be in ministry? You want to be a, a help to the church? A help to your neighbor? You want to be in ministry? Witness or something like that? Minister to the Lord. Make that a full-time proposition that I'm going to minister to the Lord and the Lord will call you out. The Lord will call you out and raise you up. But we need to spend that time with Him. We need to have to spend that time. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.